All right, welcome into another edition of the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Tamui. I want to thank everybody for joining me. So this is the LSU Mississippi State Preview Edition. So before we get going, um, just a reminder to subscribe to the YouTube channel, to like the video, hit me up with some comments. I always enjoy reading comments, good or bad, but make sure you subscribe to the channel, like it, and also you can follow the 60 Feet 6 Inch LSU Podcast on Twitter. It is at 60FT. 6-I-N-L-S-U-Pod. I had to do some things with the name just to kind of separate it from some other ones that sounded the same. So that is at 60 feet, 6 inch LSU pod on Twitter. Also, there's my personal account. I tweet from there as well, and I usually retweet. It's at C. Demui. And um, feel free to interact with me on Twitter, as many of you have already, and I'll try to respond back, follow you back as well. But um, we're going to keep this thing going this week. Very exciting weekend with the Tigers taking the trip to Starkville to the new Duty Noble Stadium. And as always, I will put out a link to Twitter and a link in the notes of this YouTube video to the podcast as well. So if you don't have a chance to watch this video, you can always catch it on Apple, Google, or Spotify. Just go search 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU Pod um, on those sites. And as always, stick around to the end because we're going to have the get right, stay right list. So I'm sure everybody would be interested in that. So that's definitely going to be a mainstay here on the 60 Feet 6 Inch LSU podcast. So let's dive right into it. LSU coming off a crucial series loss at home to Auburn last weekend. Uh, I think it was disappointing for the team and just really let that get away from them. And it's a big weekend as well. They travel to the defending national champions, the Mississippi State Bulldogs in Starkville. And I think a lot of people kind of forget Mississippi State won the national championship this year, but that's probably due to the slow and somewhat lackluster start they've gotten off to this year. I'm sure if they were up there with Tennessee, people would be constantly reminding you how they're defending national champions. But um, that's where LSU's heading this weekend. So the games are Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 7 o'clock on Friday, 2 o'clock on Saturday, and then 1 o'clock finishing up on Sunday at the new Duty Noble Field, which looks absolutely amazing. The things they did with that field with the suites and and the new uh, barbecue pit areas out there in the outfield looks looks awesome. So as you know, we'll get into the, some of the stats just to kind of give you how I see this matchup breaking down. In terms of records, Mississippi State comes into this matchup 18-12. and 12. They are 4-5 and five in SEC Conference play, and they won on Tuesday night. They beat the Brakes off of UT Martin 16-2, uh, to two, I believe. 13-2 uh, is a 17 game, much similar to LSU's game against Grambling, but they did hit six home runs in that game. And as you all know, LSU will come to this matchup at 20-9, and 4-5 and five in conference play, just like State, so identical conference records. And LSU also won on Tuesday as well, beating Grambling. And LSU had their fair share of home runs, hitting four with Cruz hitting his eighth, Barry hitting his ninth, and then Travinsky hitting two bombs, bringing his total to five on the year. In terms of State in the SEC this year, uh, they started off the year they lost a series at Georgia. They came home and took a series from Alabama in Starkville, and then they went on the road last weekend and lost a series to Arkansas, two games to three. And on the flip side, I think everybody knows LSU's SEC record. So one of the things I do like to say about State, and if you haven't, should have mentioned this a little bit earlier, but if you haven't had the chance, I did an interview with Brooks Bryan. He is a former Mississippi State Bulldog. He played outfield during the 97-98 seasons, played against me. He's a friend of mine. He went to two College World Series. He was a regional MVP. So we did a podcast yesterday, so podcast only, so it's up on Apple, Spotify, and Google as well, where we 
just talked about this upcoming series. Brooks gave some great insight into the state of the Mississippi State program this year, how they fared so far, what to look out for in terms of their hitters, what pitchers will they be using, what do they bring to the table. And then he talked about the new Duty Noble field a little bit and how that plays and just kind of how state season gone so far. And one of the things we talked about at the end, I was always interested to see other players' thoughts, how they felt to play LSU, and especially since we played against each other, I wanted to get his thoughts. And with that being said, in the interview and in the podcast, I talked about how I, I really have a lot of respect for Mississippi State. There's other teams in the SEC which I can't stand and I couldn't stand 25 years ago and I still can't stand today. But Mississippi State, I've, I've had a ton of respect for. I think it had to go – I think it had to do with Skip Berman and Ron Polk's relationship. They were friends. They coached on Team USA together. They did a lot of stuff during the summer together. And we knew when we played those guys, they played the game the right way. They played hard. They respected the game, but they didn't give up, and they were going to fight till the end. And we also had a lot of friends on that team. Um, some guys from Baton Rouge played at State, and we played against those guys during the summer or with those guys during the summer as well. But I just their, and their program has a ton of history. I think if you look at the SEC and you look at the history of baseball programs from the 80s to where we are now, you can stack up Mississippi State and LSU head-to-head and just some of the big leaguers they've put out and the history they have and the success they've had and how they've gone about it the right way. And the other, the other thing, too, is that we pride ourselves within the LSU baseball program and the LSU fan base as being a very knowledgeable baseball fan base, and I think that is very accurate. You know, we get on opposing players, but at the end, our fans will be the first one to invite them across the street or give them a plate of jambalaya or shake their hand. Or whatever it is, if the other pitcher does well, they'll give him a standing ovation if he, if he did a good job against LSU that day. And the same can be said about the Mississippi State fan base. They were very knowledgeable, very appreciative of opposing players' efforts, and they'll do the same thing after games. They may get on you, but at the end of the game, they're going to shake your hand, tell you you did a job, and uh, excuse me, tell you, you did a good job, and offer you a plate of food if 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 they have one available. So. Not 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 a fan base or a, um, a team. I feel onerous towards in any which way, just the utmost respect for those guys. So this is interesting. So I looked at some of the series history. So since 1992, LSU has taken 20 out of 29 series with State, which is pretty crazy to me. They've actually won 12 out of the last 14 series as LSU. They've won the last eight series in Starkville, and they're 11-3 and three since 93, which is it's pretty amazing when you think of some of the teams they've had. Now, State hasn't won a home series against LSU since 2003, but – Here's kind of the caveat. Over the last two seasons, LSU has been great on the road. They're 5-1 and one in their last six SEC road series to where Mississippi State has won four out of their last five home SEC series. So you really have a team that likes to play at home. And as we saw this year with LSU going to Florida, this team, I think, may be more comfortable on the road for whatever reason. Uh, we'll find out more after this weekend because we got to turn right around and go to Arkansas, which is a top five team in the country. And they're playing amazing right now so it'll be this may be a year when LSU just plays a little bit better on the road for whatever reason and maybe there's a more comfort level guys get to hang out more and they just feel a little more relaxed when they're away from the confines of Alec Box. another thing that Brooks mentioned we talked about the overall state of the program this year how what expectations were from Mississippi State coming into the year and how things have stacked up towards those expectations Brooks did a really good job of explaining the fact that they lost some really key pieces. They lost two of their best position players off the national championship team last year. 
And then early this year, they lost their ace Friday night pitcher, Landon Sims. Now, last year, he was their closer. And on that run to the College World Series, it seemed like he closed every game. He was throwing the eighth and ninth, seventh, eighth, and ninth, the ninth. He, it felt like he was in every game shutting it down. And this year, he moved to Friday. But they went to New Orleans to play Tulane, and Landon Sims unfortunately blew out his UCL. He's had Tommy John a couple weeks ago. And they also lost their uh, presumptive number two pitcher earlier in the year as well. So they've lost two of their best pitchers, two of their best position players, and as Brooks stated, they've really tried to had a they've really had trouble finding leaders on the team, and they're kind of finding their way right about now. People have figured out who's going to be vocal, who's going to step up from a hitting and pitching perspective. Where earlier in the season they were they were kind of rudderless. You know, they lost the first series of the year to Long Beach State. They lost a series to Tulane, and they've had a rough start in SEC play. But obviously winning a series at home should make them feel a little bit more comfortable for this weekend. Now in terms of the hitters, we'll, we'll get into those guys first. The one thing that jumps out to me about Mississippi State hitters is that their team batting average is 13th in the conference, so next to last. And on the flip side, LSU's team batting average is second in the conference. So Mississippi State's hitting at a 270 clip, while LSU is hitting at a 307 clip. But Mississippi State can hit the ball out the yard. They are third in the conference with 54 home runs, and LSU is fourth in the conference at 51 home runs. The other thing that stood out to me is, you know, I looked at LSU and State's hitting statistics. LSU is dominant in the conference when it comes to hitting. They are second in slugging, second in on-base percentage, second in hits, second in runs scored, second in doubles. I mean, it is truly impressive. And really, the only team they're behind is Tennessee, who's first in all those categories. And when we look at State in those categories, they're really middle of the road. You know, they, um, they're very average. They're around eighth or ninth, you know, when it comes to all these different categories. So, And when you look at their order, their top nine hitters, you'll find that those guys are anywhere from 310 to 275. So they're not rolling out two or three guys that hit 220 or 210, kind of like Auburn had last weekend. Those Their guys are very consistent, and when you look up and down their order, one through nine, every one of them can hit the ball at the yard. Now, you could say that about LSU's lineup too, but these guys are anywhere from four to nine home runs, basically their whole lineup. So while they don't hit for a great average, they're, they're more than capable of hitting the ball at the yard. And Brooks also talked about in the podcast that Duty Noble does play a little small in right field and right center. And he said lately the wind's been blowing out that way. And with the cold front kind of moving through, he expects the wind to be blowing out to right center and right field. And so that just means, in my opinion, I think there's going to be a lot of balls leaving the yard this week. We know what Barry can do, switch hitting. We've seen Dylan, Crow, Dylan Cruz excuse me, and Doty go opposite field, hit the ball to right center as well. We got Joe Bear with the big left-handed bat looking to pull something down the line. And they have, some, they have some pretty potent left-handed hitters as well. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out this weekend. Another thing about State is they pretty much play straight up, just like LSU. They don't run. LSU's last in the conference in terms of stolen base attempts. They don't sacrifice, bunt a lot. The leading uh, stolen base person on their team is Cameron James. He's 8 out of 9. And if you're wondering who it is for LSU, it's Dylan Cruz. He's 3 out of 4. So LSU and these guys really don't hit and run. They don't sacrifice. They're just pretty much going to play you straight up station to station and then try to hit the ball at the yard with multiple people on base. So what does all this mean? So to me, 
if you have a team that doesn't hit for a good average, but they score a lot of runs and they can hit home runs, it means they score runs in bunches to me. They score runs in bunches. They're good at scoring with runners on base. And then they must do something with regards to two strikes or two out hits to where they get big two strike or two out hits. Second and third, two outs, they're able to get a single, maybe score two runs. And that and that's how they win. They score in bunches and um, they just run balls out the yard, home or away. So it'll be interesting to see if the LSU pitching staff can really limit State's firepower this weekend. Another person to watch out for in that team is their catcher. He's a mainstay in that lineup. Brooks alluded to the fact on the podcast that he's a potential first-round pick. His name is Logan Tanner. He's been there for a while, and apparently this is going to be his last year at State before he hits the door and goes into the Major League Baseball draft. Uh, some other key hitters to look out for, and he really harped on the lefties with the fact that it's a little bit of a short porch or it plays small in right field. You have Luke Hancock, who hit two home runs on Tuesday night. He's a big first baseman. You have a freshman who's going to DH and Hunter Hines. And then the right fielder is Kellum Clark. He's a lefty as well. And I've always found with State, they always have just a ton of Mississippi kids on their team. They don't really go out of state a lot for kids. They just recruit those big Mississippi kids. They have a big JUCO system in Mississippi, and those guys just want to come play in Starkville and uh, play for Klanga Klanga and just play for the history of that program. And it's just kind of like LSU. You have a bunch of guys from Louisiana that bleed purple and gold, and their program players in state has really built their program much the same. When you look up and down that roster, it's Mississippi, Mississippi, Mississippi. You know, Madison Central or, or Ridgeland or Oxford or wherever it may be. So, a couple things to look out for from the hitting perspective. Now, let's get into the pitchers. And this is where I think LSU can make some hay. So, in terms of pitchers, you know, we just mentioned they lost their ace, Landon Sims, to an injury. They lost their potential number two early on as well. And they don't have a closer. They do not have a true closer. They do not have a guy like Burkhalter whom Auburn had at the back end of their bullpen to where he's going to come in and throw 8-9. He's got four or five saves on the year, and he's 95-96 with a slider, and he's there to shut the door. Mississippi State does not have that guy. In fact, their middle relief into the game situation is very murky. It's kind of up in the air. It's almost by committee, really. And you could probably say you see some similarities with that with regards to LSU, but I think LSU's done a better job on the back end of kind of starting to establish some roles. And hopefully, it looks like guys are turning the corner in terms of being more consistent. Hopefully, that plays out again this weekend. So in terms of the pitchers, the Bulldogs staff ERA is 12th in the conference, coming in at 5.04, so not good. I was surprised by this stat. On the other side, LSU is third in the conference in terms of team ERA at 3.54. Opposing batting average, Mississippi State is eighth, so right smack dab in the middle of the conference where opposing batting average is 242. And for LSU, they're third in the conference where other teams are hitting in a 215 clip. So from the statistics-wise, LSU's pitchers are doing the job. I would say the fan base may disagree with you, and so may Coach Jay Johnson and Jason Kelly, but from a statistical standpoint, now this is all games, and I told you all before, I think after this series I'll start pull, pulling in some more SEC-only stats. But right now you know, I just need a, a, a larger subset of numbers before I start diving into SEC stats. So we just want to make sure nothing's skewed out there. While State may have a high team ERA, they have struck out the most batters in the conference this year. 
and LSU is fifth in that category. So that gets back to the fact that while their pitching staff may be a little bit inconsistent and up in the air, and especially on the back end, roles aren't clearly defined, they do have their starters have really good stuff. And specifically, when you look at the Friday, Saturday, Sunday guys, you know, they have um, Preston Johnson jumped into that Friday night role after Sims got hurt. And he has a 4.7 ERA. But when you look at his innings pitched, he's got 38 and a third innings pitched and 57 punch outs. So well below, well above that one-to-one uh, inning to strikeout ratio. And in terms of Saturday, uh, supposedly um, Parker Stinnett, um, I imagine he's going to go. He's been pretty consistent in that in that Saturday starter role. But supposedly he's supposed to have the best stuff on the team. So from a talent perspective, highest ceiling, it, it's supposed to be their Saturday starter and Parker Stinnett. One thing, though, apparently he is, in talking with Brooks, he gets in trouble when it comes to walks. So he has the ability to get wild, but he also has good stuff and the ability to get out of it as he has 28 and two-thirds in pitched and 47 strikeouts. So both the Friday, Johnson, and the Saturday guys, Stinnett, they're able to get out of jams with those high ERAs, and they're able to get strikeouts when they need to. Now on Sunday, this may be their most consistent guy. Their Sunday starter is Cade Smith, and he has a 3.0 ERA with four wins. So while he may not have the stuff of Johnson and Stinnett, one of the things I heard about their Sunday starter, Cade Smith, is that he's just, no pun intended, he's a bulldog on the mound. He's just got that mentality, almost like a Mikhail Hilliard, excuse me, Hilliard, to where he's got that mentality, he's got a lot of grit, He's not going to give up. He knows it's his job as a Sunday starter to where the bullpen may be taxed or he may not have a lot of help. He's just going to stay in there and give State a good outing and get as far as he can. And he's done really well in that role this year. A couple of the games, you know, State won the Sunday game in Arkansas. They won the Sunday game at Georgia. So whatever he's doing, he's doing a good job on Sundays. And that could be a potential trouble spot for LSU right there if we continue to roll out Dutton and Taylor, the two freshmen, in this raucous environment in uh, Starkville. So another thing they, that I found interesting that goes along with the pitching staff is, is their catcher, who we mentioned a second ago, Logan Tanner. He only has, they only have one pass ball on the year, which leads the conference. One. So we're last week in Auburn – was throwing us runs with the wild pitches. They led the conference in wild pitches. State, on the flip side, doesn't give up any wild pitches or pass balls. And they're second in the conference in team defense. They had the second fewest errors in the SEC. Just let that sink in, LSU fans. Second in the conference in errors. They have a 984 fielding percentage and only 16 errors all year. Whereas LSU... As we all know, they had the worst fielding percentage in the conference, and they've committed 45 errors throughout this season. So, huge point of contention. We're not going to get into it. I think it's been discussed a, a bunch on here and other places. But uh, the defense, once again, you might as well circle that. That's going to be key this weekend as well. So, we've talked a little bit about the hitters. We've talked a little about some of the pitchers. Um, we've talked a little bit about 
the left-handed power hitters that they have and kind of the to me I think Mississippi State and LSU are very similar you know they're almost mirror images of each other uh, you put the statistics aside the records are very similar the inexperience in certain places is very similar um you know, they're kind of polar opposites, though, where LSU plays great on the road and State plays great at home. It, this is going to be a crucial series for both teams, you know, especially for LSU since they're going on the road to Arkansas last weekend. So this is what I think. Here are the here are the keys to the series win for me, for LSU to take this sucker home. First and foremost, the key has got to be the defense. They have to limit the errors this weekend. I think I'm going to put a Twitter poll up tomorrow. Friday to maybe give an over under on the amount of errors this weekend, you know, see if we can get some um, interaction going back and forth. And I really think y'all are going to laugh at me. I'm thinking three and a half. I just have a good feeling. I think they're going to sort some things out. Cause I tell you what, if y'all have never been to Mississippi state, um, there, the capacity is huge. Now it was a big ballpark to begin with, with the weather being nice. My buddy Brooks, Brian said they had, during the Alabama series two weekends ago at home, State had 14,000 on Saturday. He thinks that the weather's nice, which is supposed to be. State may have an all-time record at Duty Noble for the Saturday LSU game. Just a rivalry in a lot of respect these two teams for you have, they have for each other, and it's close. It's not very far. I wouldn't be surprised if they got 15,000. So my point being is if LSU starts committing errors, and State starts getting people on base, and, and one of those big lefties runs one out the yard, that place is going to go berserk. So then you just see people start – the pressure creeps down on you. Guys start pressing on the mound and in the field, and they take that into their bats. So just one of those vicious circles I talk about. So the first key is the defense. you got to keep Mississippi State out of the beginning and limit the damage to one run. We can't let that crowd get going. Can't let them get energized and stack hits one on top of the other, and just have a good defensive weekend. Let's start to turn that corner, you know. Let's start putting some couple games together defensively. That's going to help everybody out, uh, get a little more confidence out there in the field, and that just translates onto the mound as well. My second key is LSU's got to put up crooked numbers. So with State having the second, the, uh, well, actually the third, but the, the 12th worst, ERA in the conference at 504. They obviously give up runs. So LSU's hitters need to have a sense of urgency this weekend, especially with runners in scoring position. Need to find a way to get a big two-out hit, to get a two-strike hit, to extend at bats. And as I mentioned, their bullpen and closure role is, is very much unsettled. And their starters, while they may have great stuff, they're prone to giving up a lot of runs and and getting themselves in trouble with walks. So I think the ability to get the starter out the game, get those unproven relievers into the game would be huge for LSU. And that all comes by having a sense of urgency, trying to get out on top. And when there's men on second and third with one out, let's just not settle for a sacrifice fly and be grateful that you got out the inning with one run. Let's look to get two, three up there, get a crooked number, and have some really good at-bats. The, uh, the other thing is the bullpen. The bullpen needs to stay on the good run that they're on right now. I have a feeling these games are going to be really close. Some of them may even go to extra innings. I can see a comeback in the eighth or ninth by either team. 
And I think in the end, it's going to come down to the bullpen. If they can stay consistent and come in in high leverage situations and make quality pitches, you know, keep the ball in the ballpark. And specifically, one person in specifically I'm, I'm thinking about, excuse me, is Riley Cooper. They have three big left-handed power hitters right in the middle of that lineup, and I think it's going to be a chance for Riley Cooper to pitch, to pitch several times this weekend, and to continue, excuse me, continue that run of success. And hopefully he keeps that velocity up around 92, 93. We know he's got the breaking ball. But if he can keep that velo up, I think it just bodes well for the entire staff. And he's the only lefty in the pen, really. Anybody that's gotten any significant amount of time this year. So those are, for me, the three keys. The defense, putting up crooked numbers by the hitters, and then the bullpen, continuing that good run of form. All right. Get right, stay right, baby. Here we go. Let's get right. So for those, if it's your first time tuning in, we do a get right, stay right list at the end of each podcast. And then on the series recap, I'll tell you where I kind of went right, kind of went wrong, own up to it. But if I'll be more than happy to take a push. So in terms of get right, the first one's got to be Blake Money. He was on the list last week. I thought he pitched good until that one big inning. So for me, again, he's coming out on a Friday night on the road. And he's setting the tone for the weekend. That place is going to be jumping tomorrow night. They're going to have time to get uh, a little lubed up. I'm sure they're out there tailgating. But I just want to see him turn the corner and stay out of that big inning. You know, I think State's going to put some pressure on him with the with the hitters that they have. But if he can get off to a good start and let LSU kind of find their groove on the road, to me that's huge. That's huge. And I just have a feeling he's going to get right tomorrow night. And I think he's going to get back to the early season, Blake Money. The second get right, I think I may surprise a lot of y'all. The second get right right here is Dylan Cruz. But Chris, he's our best hitter. No, he's great. He's amazing. He's really good. But hear me out now. His last eight games, overall game, not just SEC games, eight games period, he's six for 27. I'll do the math for you. That's 222. And he has three home runs in that time frame. So I think LSU will need him to have big at-bats this weekend. I don't mean to be flippant when I say this, you know, or or be mean or or just come off as uh, just not in the right fashion, I guess. But when people go one for five, and I'm not saying he does this, when some people go one for five and they hit a bomb. Or they go two for four, but they were losing 13 to two. So to me, I think it matters this weekend when Dylan Cruz comes up to bat and what he does with those at bats. I think he needs to turn the corner a little bit this weekend and get right. I think he struggled last Sunday versus Auburn uh, with the sinker baller. And then, if memory serves me correct, he may have struggled a little bit. Oh, well, against Grambling, he went one for three. So, but against Auburn last weekend, he was 0 for 2, 2 for 3 with a bomb, then 0 for 4. So, quick math, 2 for 9 with a home run. So, I'm looking for Dylan Cruz to get right, especially with men in scoring position. I just want to see him go off this weekend. You know, 3 for 4, 2 for 3, 2 RBIs, 1 bomb, 1 for 3 with a 3-1 home run, stuff like that. And then lastly, don't laugh, but the defense needs to get right. They got to get right. At some point, it's got to turn around. There's too many good athletes. There's, there's, I think there's good infielders over there. It's got to put it all together one game. 
you know, just remember the errors give hitters an extra chance to see the pitcher. You know, they get another at bat. The errors drive up pitchers' pitch counts. They make them work harder on the mound. So for me, it's just staying out of those big innings and making sure errors don't lead to big innings and extended innings. Uh, so get right. Blake Money, Dylan Cruz, and then the defense. So who needs to stay right? Who needs to keep it going? First, got to be Travinsky. Hayden the Tank Travinsky. He's been going bonkers. So just stay hot, big guy. So he's got 32 at-bats on the year. Not a ton. But in those 32 at-bats, he's got five home runs. And since the Florida series, he's 9 for 24. That's 375 and five home runs. I don't think uh, enough can be said about what he's done the past couple, the past games that he's been in from the eight or the nine hole. I've said it previously on their Auburn recap, but the ability for him to change his mindset and the plate to where he now he's taking walks, he's having productive at bats, he's fighting off pitches with two strikes, and in that eight nine slot, you turn the lineup over, so now you can get Doty. Morgan, Cruz, Barry, chances to hit with runners in scoring position and get them more ABs. That's the job of people in the bottom of the order. And he's hitting bombs and driving in runs. So to me, Travinsky, stay hot, baby. The second one is Mikhail Hilliard. Just stay right. The things that he's done on Saturday, the last couple weekends, yeah, Florida, and then with Auburn has been fantastic. He's given you quality starts. He has not taxed the bullpen. And depending on what happens on Friday, man, Hilliard could be enormous this weekend for LSU's chances. If he, hopefully he has got that curveball this weekend working. The curveball is a field pitch. And I think he'll have a lot of success against those state hitters. Um, one of the things Brooks Bryan alluded to on the podcast is that their hitters have problems with guys with very good secondary pitches. They can hit the fastball, but guys with Good secondary pitches for strikes. It really gives that lineup trouble. Maybe that's why they're only hitting like 275 as a team. So, And I've harped on LSU pitchers needing to develop a secondary pitch, a good wipeout, breaking ball, slider, changeup, whatever it is, besides Collins and Hilliard. But to me, Hilliard on that Saturday spot is going to be huge again. Another quality start. And just stay right this weekend, Mikhail. And lastly, it's the bullpen. They've been on a good run lately. And I'm talking specifically about Gervais, Razelman, Cooper, and I would love to see Fontenot turning around a little bit and have a good outing this weekend. If he has two good outings, great. But I think if the bullpen can continue to hold it down, because they're going to come in in some high leverage situations with runners on base and have to work out of jams, and they all have phenomenal stuff. But this would be another pressure packed road series. So if they can come in, and slam the door or limit the damage or not give up the lead, that's enormous for LSU. Just a review real quick. Get right. Money, Cruz, and the defense, stay right. Travinsky, Hilliard, and the bullpen. All right, wrap this up with the series prediction. I think these teams are so similar, but I'm going LSU with a 2-1 series win. I think we take Friday, Saturday. I think this team's going to play better on the road this year. I think this is an enormous series. I would hate for things to go haywire, and all of a sudden you're looking up and you got to take a trip to Arkansas, who's playing lights out right now. I think they're very evenly matched teams. I think that Sunday is going to be the Achilles heel or the bugaboo for LSU. 
I think um, their Sunday starter, Cade Smith, is proven. He's done a great job this year, and I worry a little bit with the two freshmen running out there again, assuming Taylor doesn't pitch earlier in the weekend. And um, if we have taken Friday and Saturday, it's going to be tough to sweep state, and I think they may come out on fire. And I just don't have a great feeling about that game going into the weekend. So I think the Mississippi State pitchers can get themselves into trouble, but they have the stuff to get out of the jams, evidence for their strikeouts, but they can definitely hurt themselves. And unfortunately, they give up a lot of hits and runs, but their defense will get them out of jams, and their defense isn't going to kill them. They're going to keep them in the game, if anything. So they have a stud behind the plate and their catcher, Tanner Logan. So, and he's going to be the general back there. That, you know, No pass balls, and they're just very sound on the defensive side of the ball. And then once again, they score in bunches. So it's going to be huge for LSU's pitching staff to limit the big innings and continue to focus on getting leadoff men out the innings and figuring out a way to put people away with two strikes. I think if you see the LSU pitchers, if the starter, if their pitch counts are in the 70 and the 70s in the fifth inning, that's not a good sign. If they're in the 50s, that's great. That means you're getting state to swing the bat. So stay out of the big innings. When you get two strikes on people, find a way to put them away, strike out or contact. Let's just not go ball, 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 and all of a sudden we're looking at a 3-2 count. And then the bullpen will hopefully come in and slam the door. So that's it. Hope everybody has a great weekend cheering on the Tigers. Let's look for that 2-1 series win. And don't forget there will be a link to this uh, to the podcast version of this in the notes, and I'll send out a Twitter notification once everything is posted. So I hope everybody has a great weekend. Don't forget to like the video. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel, 60 Feet 6 Inches, and follow me on Twitter at 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU Pod. Let's get some interaction going this weekend. I'll be tweeting out some stuff that's going on. Um, I'll be out of town traveling, but uh, trying to catch as much of the games as I can. Otherwise, I have to watch it on – I'll tape the games and watch them on replay. But thanks, everybody, for joining. Look, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers. If you want to know more than anybody else about the upcoming Mississippi State Series, this is where they got to tune in, baby. 60 Feet, 6 Inch LSU Podcast. Y'all have a great weekend, and get right, stay right, baby. Till next time.